It is the 200 level episode 135. Mike Carpenter in the 200 level studios, also known as the Sunroom. And this is not the Saturday I thought we were going to have. It's not the Saturday I think a lot of us thought we were going to have, but we are here and happy to talk about Illinois on the verge of going up 35 to 10. They might even do that as I'm speaking here. With Isaac Ambrose, Harry Black, Trevor will join us later. One word, guys. We've kind of done that little game before. One word to sum up where you're at, Isaac. One word. Um, let's say you can go two or three if you need it <laughs> for more nuance. Fi- let's say a <laughs> finally, finally, okay. because this is what we thought we were going to see from the start. I mean, think about if you scratch the first four games, say that you're imagine you're playing Nebraska the first season of 2020 and this is what you're getting. We're all pretty happy. I mean, you're up 28, 10, about to go up 35, 10. Nebraska's got some stuff. I mean, they're not top of the big 10, but. This is what we thought this team would be. And again, there's still been some not so bright spots of this game, but you've you've handled Nebraska pretty well. And the defense has made some plays. The offense has looked really smooth for the most part. Um, Got to give Rod Smith some credit there. And you really start to wonder, one, if Nebraska or if Wisconsin was just the real deal and we just got it handed to us. And then two, what could have been if we didn't have those COVID problems? So finally, we're starting to see, I think, what this team can really be. Let's see, Harry, uh, one word for you. And I think finally, that was a good choice, Isaac. Harry, your, your thoughts after one half of this game. And by the way, just to give you a quick update, Illinois will unfortunately have to settle for a field goal here uh, from about the seven-yard line. So, Harry, one it's word over. for you. It's over. The game is over as we are only up by 21 points now. <laughs> Um, uh, one word. Um, I think it is I'll, over actually. You know what? I'll, I'll keep it simple because no one ever keeps it this simple. Okay. It's probably the simplest word you could come up with happy. I'm hmm. happy that this is happening because I put each game in a vacuum. I think that, you know, from what we saw at the end of last year, I thought Brandon Peters was looking better and better. Everyone was thinking that. And then we had one sample of him this year. It wasn't good. And then when he finally comes back, he's looking like a good Big Ten Division One quarterback, so I'm happy with what I'm seeing. It's it's nice, regardless of how bad Nebraska may be this year. Their one win is over a really bad Penn State team, um, who I don't know. I think Penn State is better than what their record is, but I don't think that they were ninth in the country. Um, you know, they're not they're not as bad as most zero and four teams are, but that's such a weird thing to say. Um, but you, you know, it's just nice to go to go into. An opposing um, opposing building in Nebraska. Um, obviously, it's not as hard playing there as it would be if there was fans. That goes without saying. But Illinois doesn't go into other stadiums and win that often. And to do it against a team with the history that Nebraska has, even though they're kind of a paper dragon at this point, they're basically, I like to think of them as the Texas of the Big Ten. Um, you know, they were once great. Now they're not really. It's nice to be able to look at the scoreboard and say, hey, you're up by three touchdowns on Nebraska, regardless of how they're doing it at any point in the year. You know, and there is a difference between this and the Nebraska game last year. We all knew the bottom was going to fall out. We knew that even when Illinois went up two scores last year, that the defense was not going to stop Nebraska. The only thing stopping Nebraska last year were five fumbles. That was it. And this is different. You see McCaffrey is not a very strong passer, especially if it's like 10-plus yards. He's not completing those. Dangerous runner, but for the most part, this defense has kept things in front of them today. And as this game goes forward, Harry, you said after that field goal made it 21 points, you said it's over, and we laughed. But 
you know, listen, I could eat crow for the second time today. I'll mention in a bit what the first thing I'm eating crow about is, but I think it is. I think that right now we're looking at a game where Illinois is just clearly the better team on the field today. And the way this season started, Wisconsin, as good of an opponent as they may be, I'm still shocked. I'm shocked by this because I'm seeing something I had not seen in the first four games, which is prolonged competence and the occasional explosive play. Uh, real quick, I'll get to this, guys, and then I, I want to see what you thought about this. But I, as I texted you and as I tweeted, I didn't like the Brandon Peters starting move. I thought that it was maybe overthinking that, hey, you got this young kid, Isaiah Williams. He's limited, but there's something about him. Roll with the kid who can run. And I'm eating my words. Brandon's had one of his best games as a quarterback for Illinois, regardless of the defense. And uh, Isaac, I, I think, and, and Harry as well, I'll start with Isaac, but you guys were more on the start the veteran quarterback until it gets bad. That, was that, is that fair to say? That was kind of where you guys were approaching this game? Yeah, I was on the I was a little bit on the fence because Isaiah did get us that win. But you know, if it came to a point where you're gonna have to throw the ball, Isaiah is in no position to make those deep balls down the field. And Brandon, it's not like he he didn't play that well against Wisconsin, but nobody did. And he didn't even get hurt. He got screwed by the pandemic and like so I just felt bad for both of them. But I think playing the veteran and playing the guy that you know you you put in this offense for all offseason, and Rod Smith and the boys have been playing it up for Brandon Peters to be the starting quarterback. So you're just kind of picking up from where you left off. And I just think a lot of the these packages are they're trying to get Bebe more involved. They're trying to run that read option a little bit. And I think because you've been able to throw the ball a little bit more guys like Chase Brown, and Mike Epstein are breaking off these big runs. So I, I was just more with the, your offense looks a little bit more complete. I think when brand, because Brandon can still run a little bit too. So your offense looks more complete than last week when it was okay. Rutgers can't keep up with Isaiah. So let's just keep running the ball. Harry, what about you? I mean, you know, veteran quarterback, I'm guessing if you're in the locker room and you came into the season under the presumption that he was going to be the guy throughout that it, I, I understand why the argument would be, well, he shouldn't probably be benched just because he had a positive COVID test and this freshman QB had one good game at Rutgers. Would that be potentially the thinking amongst the players on that team? First of all, Rod Smith and the boys is the worst band name I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to throw that out there. Um, you know, honestly, the, the the initial instinct of any other position group when there's problems with the quarterback uh, position and who's going to start there, you really just kind of focus on yourself first. I know that's kind of the stupid answer. Well, not even the stupid answer. That's the boring answer that no one wants to hear. But it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Like I've told you guys uh, to the offensive line who the starting quarterback is. You basically just have to do your job regardless of what the situation is. Now, you know, you might have to block a little bit uh, longer for certain quarterbacks than others, but um, at the end of the day, you just got to do your job. But the I, the sentiment usually is that you want to give the starting guy a little bit more time because you've seen him in practice. You've seen that there's a reason that he is the starter for the most part. And yeah, you see Isaiah go out there last week and do what he did, but you know, you kind of saw that there was a, there was a limit with what he was able to do, at least in his first game. I don't think that's going to be the case during his whole career here. I think there's a reason he was a five-star quarterback, and I think that's going to 
you know, he's going to develop into a really good quarterback. But I just think with what you have now, you have the veteran, you have the guy who won you games last year. He has more experience. He had one game that, like you guys said, was earlier this year against a really good team who wanted to come out and kick your ass. Um, you know, week one of a pandemic shortened season when no one knows what the hell is going to go on. And that's your one sample size of them on this season. You can't really compare that against a guy who doesn't really throw the ball and then just runs wild against Rutgers. It's not, it's not fair to compare the two. So I had no real problem starting whoever you were going to start coming into this week. I ha- so if it was Isaiah, I would have said, okay, they must see something they like in Isaiah. If it was uh, Brandon, then same thing with Brandon. And, you know, coming out into this game, you can obviously see that there's advantages to having Brandon Peters out there. He's a better passer of the ball right now. And the connection between him and Josh going back to really the Michigan game of last year. Actually, you can even go probably back to the uh, Connecticut game of last year. You've seen the connection between Brandon and Josh, and that's something that they've been able to pick up on, um, you know, in this game right here. You know, there's a potential that had they started Isaiah Williams, we'd be running offensively in the same issues that Nebraska is right now. And as good as a running quarterback may be, and listen, Luke McCaffrey is a fantastic running quarterback, and the first couple drives of the game, I thought, oh my God, this is just going to be a really long day, another 600-plus yard performance for Nebraska. But eventually, if you're a one-trick pony, and as much as I was excited by Isaiah's performance, he is still probably more in that category than a true dual-threat quarterback, then yeah, uh, I think that you could have seen more stagnation from the offense. And hey, credit to Brandon, and credit to Rod Smith in this offense, Apart from the three and out, and this would have been, I don't know, let's say seven minutes to go in the first half. Apart from that, they are really prolonging drives, and I know that they did not get the touchdown on this first drive of the second half, but six and a half minute drive, the length of the field, they got three to go up 21 points. Of course, he would have loved to punch it in, but that's still, in many ways, a successful drive, especially as you you aren't so uh, early in the game, we're going to be playing not to lose, but time does matter. It does matter. And also the thought that this offense, I doubt for Illinois, is going to lay an egg the rest of the game. A three-touchdown cushion with 23 game minutes to go. That's that's not bad. Um, before before we get into a little bit more here, Nebraska has the ball at about midfield, first and 10. Uh, let's see. Isaac, where are you at in the game? Just to check our, our Hulu or our fire stick situation. Where are you at? I'm at 742. Yeah, it's 748 right now. Okay, so I think you might be one play behind. There was a first and 10 okay. coming up for you. And uh, yep, Harry, I just saw the pass play. What about you, Harry? I know you were behind maybe a play or so last week. I am way behind. There's 810 right now. Wow. So. Okay, well, we'll, tr- we'll be spoilerific uh, coming up here. A big <laughs> run for Nebraska. And man, guys, I might have just ate a little bit. I've ate a lot of crow today. They take it all the way down, potentially a touchdown for Nebraska on uh, – fast yeah, very fast on a run here wow. from number one need to get his name if this is a touchdown then okay uh, we might be re-entering that back and forth shootout I, I was hoping for a kind of sleepy second half that might have been a, a bit presumptuous but um, if this is a touchdown let's presume it is and even if it is not Harry uh, they'll punch it in to make it a two-score game um, is there is there a particular moment where the so- a sideline uh, puckers up, as Lante would say? I mean, like when you have a three touchdown lead and you're feeling really good, and I think it's any team's inclination to think, oh, we got this in the bag as long as we do our thing, and then the other team scores within a span of a minute. It, how jarring is that, and how much value is it to have veterans on the sideline that can, I guess, weather a storm like that? I mean. <laughs> 
again, you know, I feel like <laughs> you guys always want the, uh, the, 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 the fun answer, but the honest <laughs> answer is probably just that everyone on offense just sees it more factually as okay. if they just score. Okay. Let me get my helmet. We gotta well, go get oh, oh I'm sorry. Out. I thought you were asking if they just scored They're They're about to, it's first and goal from the one. No, yes. no, 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 got no. It, I, I saw he was, he was a little bit short. Okay. Um, but no, no, I, uh, you know, if you're sitting on the, uh, on the sideline, um, you know, with your with your line coach or whatever your position group coach is, then you're going to be sitting there and you're just going to be thinking, you're going to be listening to what he has to say. You're going to be listening to what uh, corrections you can make on the next drive. And then, you know, usually it's the roar of the crowd. But if you just look up and you see on the big screen that someone is, uh, you know, punching it in, you basically just have to say, okay, let me grab my helmet. Let me stand up. Let's get ready to go back out there. It does, the, the two sides of the ball are really kind of, I, I, I don't want to say divided because that makes it sound like it's not like a team effort out there. But for the most part, you're focusing on what you need to do on your next drive as opposed to what the defense is doing right there and then. The only time that that's not the case is if it's late in the game and you know, okay, we're not going to get the ball back. We're, um, you know, or, or we we might not really. It's completely dependent on what the defense does right here. Regardless okay. of what the defense does right here, Illinois is going to go back out there and going to try to score again. So they're, they're really not focusing on that until maybe if it's a, a tie game or if it's you know less than – if it's a, not a two-score game anymore and it's late in the game. Aside from that, they're really not going to care. All right, so a 6.48 to go. Nebraska does score. They're going to go for the extra point here. I'll uh, hit our sponsors real quick. Now, there's something really cool going on at DP Doe, and I don't know if you guys have tried this, but they have a Thanksgiving – calzone and it comes with a dipping uh, cup of cranberry sauce this thing looks incredible i've never personally had it but it's getting rave reviews understandably so and if you're at home today it is a cloudy kind of you know boring saturday to just hang in and watch football they will deliver anywhere in champaign urbana so order online at dpdo get that thanksgiving calzone coupon code michael get you five dollar calzones six dollar premium in construction and that is again dpdo.com delivery anywhere in champaign urbana fourth and kirby online at fourth and use coupon code 200 level for 10 percent off your order and with christmas coming up why not support a mom and pop business like fourth and kirby great apparel not only does it look great but uh it's high quality shirts i got a few of them and i'm going to be getting some sweatshirts as we get into christmas as well so fourth and kirby.com finally stay from agent brian hansen online at brian is my guy.com use Wait, I about said use coupon code. There's no coupon code for that. I just get in the habit of that. Uh, but uh, Brian and his staff, they're terrific to work with. I can speak from experience. You get the State Farm prices and you get that local connection. They're all born and raised, East Central Illinois, Champaign-Urbana people. So uh, they know a thing or two about this area and your needs. So go to brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Those are the particulars as we hit a commercial break here. So... Game reset, 31-17. We got about six minutes to go in the third quarter. And if there's anything that is a bit frightening, as good as Illinois' offense has been today, I don't want to look back on three things, and here's what those three things would be. The first one, the three and out when you could have went up 28-7. to uh, And I know that you were way far back in your own territory. It's not like you were close to scoring a touchdown there, but you extend that drive. I think you would have been able to get down, get a 28-7 lead. At that point, the game feels over. Didn't do it. Second one would be the time management at the end of the first half. And I know there were only 15 seconds, but to run a play with Isaiah Williams, clock goes down to eight. You have a nice completion down the middle, but you don't have enough time to spike it because you're out of timeouts. And therefore, you don't even get three points at the end of the first half. 
And then, of course, number three is only getting three in that opening drive of the second half despite taking six minutes off. So that is a long-winded way of saying, Isaac, um, those little butterflies have crept back in a little bit. You know, even in 2020, there's three things that are guaranteed. That's uh, death taxes and Lovey Smith's inability to control the clock at the end of halves. So um, It's true. I mean, and this is, as a Bears fan, and I know you guys are a little bit younger than me, but you probably remember at least the tail end of the Lovey era. This was, this was the biggest bugaboo. Apart from an offense that was never consistent, the clock management has never been a strong suit of Lovey. And it's just so interesting because Harry might be able to attest to this. You go over those scenarios in practice, I feel like. But anyways, that there's been a few mistakes in this game, but I I really can't complain that much because Nebraska's also handed us some points with those turnovers. So um, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be super critical, yeah, it's been those three and outs, and then the defense is still missing some tackles and doing some things here and there. Nothing super out of the blue though for us. But if if for some crazy reason Nebraska is able to make this a game and come back, you're going to be looking at those three and outs and that clock management at the end of the half and probably probably being pretty upset. How much Harry and I mean it was one year that you had with Lovey, but just for college football in general, how much time is delegated in a practice setting to time management? Because uh, I'm thinking it certainly is one thing you could practice, but when you get in a game situation, things are moving that much quicker. So even for coaches, I understand a mistake here or not calling the timeout quickly enough, things like that. But is that a big focus? I mean, it just seems to me like time and time again, week in, week out, we're seeing end of half situations that are not, they don't make a lot of sense. You usually have maybe a drill or two towards the end of practice where you're working on situational football. Um, what you guys got to remember is Lovey's not calling the plays on offense. You know, these are plays that that Rod Smith is calling. So some of the blame has to go there as well. Um, and then I'm not going to really blame Brandon Peters for not knowing that you can't spike the ball with one second left in that situation <laughs> running up the field and you don't really know what to do. He tried, darn it. He tried. Well, the thing is, is with you're you're not even allowed to spike the ball with two seconds left. Oh, it okay. Seconds. Um, it you know the the old you know it's not like how the rule used to be where you know I think they changed it a while ago. And one of the reasons was there was this Michigan State Michigan game back yeah. in like 2001 mm-hmm. where Michigan State spiked the ball. They snapped the ball with one second left and they spiked it with still one second left and they went on to win. And the clock operator. Didn't really seem like he was too urgent since it was at uh, MSU. It was a TJ TJ Duckett, if you remember him, it big bruising been, running back. Yeah, yep. So I, I forget if he caught the game winning touchdown. He may have. Um, so there's some time each practice delegated to end of the half or end of the game situations. Um, I remember we definitely did that back when Beckman was there. We may have done it when Lobby was there. You say offense has the ball, 40 seconds left one timeout offense has the ball two minutes, no timeouts, you know, whatever the situation is down by three down by four. Uh, and then you just have to play it like it's a real game. Um, personally, I'm not really going to look at this game and say that anything that's already happened would be a reason that you would end up losing this Agreed. game. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, you are up by three touchdowns. If you end up losing this game or giving up this lead, 
it's not going to be because you got a field goal and only went up by 21. It's going to be because you gave up two more touchdowns or weren't able to extend your lead here coming up. It would be unfair for me to all of a sudden say, I need perfection, when at the beginning of the season, all I was asking for was just competence and winning four, maybe five games. Oddly enough, if they win this no. game, I think it's okay. It's still Illinois ball. That was a close okay. call, though, on a fumble. All right. Um, Illinois has second and 12 coming up. They got one first down on this drive. That was a bad exchange between Peters and Epstein, but Epstein does recover it. So second and 12 coming up for Illinois as they try to get another prolonged drive here. I think if you can go down the field with a prolonged drive and get six, again, it, it is too early to say it's over with as quick as Nebraska can score. But, I mean, that's a lot of padding. And, okay, so to your point, Harry, about um, time management and everything like that. Now, um, a head coach, I got to think, can say, which, by the way, wow, uh, an amazing catch and throw down the seam to Daniel Barker for about 20-plus yards. Illinois now almost within field goal range with uh, yeah. five minutes to go in this third quarter. But, no, yeah, okay, so a head coach. Uh, well, he's not calling the offensive plays. How often have you seen Harry head coaches override? Or I don't know if it's even maybe through the mouthpiece. They say, hey, in this time situation, I want you to call a play that's going to be an out to get out of bounds. Or I, I need – I mean, is there involvement like that, or does that just vary, you think, depending on the staff. I don't really think that's usually the situation. When you, If you were ever to see a situation like that, then you're at a point where you're having Beckman versus Cubit 2013 at oh, Ohio State. God, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you really don't want there to be much crossover there. The, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the coach is going to trust what's going on with the offensive coordinator, and if he doesn't trust what's going on there, that's a decision that's going to be made usually during the week or, you know, in the off season, the lobby's a defensive minded coach. He's not going to be spending really any time on the, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Now, I mean, if, if Rod is having problems with, with clock management and you know, they're not able to get that, that should be something that should be addressed. The entire coaching staff on offense and lobby should talk about that. But in game, that's something that, you know, for better or worse, lobby's got to let the offensive co uh, coordinator and the offensive coaches take care of well right now Illinois is driving again a great run a uh, keeper on a what was that a zone read Isaac with uh, that was a textbook RPO or okay. yeah zone read sorry um, read the read the end of the line of scrimmage and kept it see Brandon's got the running ability he just doesn't look that fast but that was 12 yards on a run and then now a nice pass down the middle of the field to the five yard line for Navarro Illinois first and goal again got to punch it in this is a uh, snuffed in the middle, middle right there by a D tackle. So two yard loss, second and goal from the six. And um, listen, a field goal, you're still up three scores. But we, what was that Nebraska the last possession? A minute, a minute in the last time. So I, I just don't want to press my luck here. It feels like just get it in the damn end zone. Uh, second and goal coming up here, Illinois in no hurry to get up to the line. Looks like they're playing a bit of the, the clock game, which. I don't think it's too early for that necessarily. All, all that really matters is just punching it in here. Um, let's see. The handoff up the middle. Illinois down to the... This is going to be close. Depending on the call, I think they're going to mark him just short. Half a yard to go, third and goal. So what are you guys calling on third and goal from the half yard line? Didn't work last week against Rutgers when they just tried to cram it up the middle a few times. Cram it up the middle. That's Brandon what I Peters. Brandon Peters keeper. Keep it. He's big enough. It's it's literally it. You can't do it on a on a fourth and one from the thirty yard line because if you put the ball over the pile and pull it back, 
You're not going to get forward progress because you are actively pulling the ball back. But on the goal line, literally all you have to do is reach take over, the snap, jump, reach it over, break the plane, plays over. Touch they will it. review it, and this will be interesting to see when Epstein's knees went down. It is razor thin. It's very close here from the first appearance. Looking at the highlight, he is going to be – this is unbelievable. The camera – is like midway into the end zone as opposed to on the goal line. Why? I don't know. I don't think he's I don't think he's going to get it though. Yeah, yeah, it's right there. I mean, he's going to be right there, but I don't know if they're going to be able to overturn that or not. Hmm. But they'll take a few minutes to decide this, I'm sure. By the way, this this has been beaten to death, but last night the Minnesota Purdue game, the outcome of a game was literally changed by an officiating call and I I don't know what you can do in terms of accountability with officials. I know mistakes are made, but I did see that there was a betting site that gave uh, free credit for anyone that had bet on Purdue yesterday. They basically acknowledged that that game was a sham. I have not seen a call that bad, at least in college football, for a long time. And as people reminded me yesterday, that was a lot like the what Saints-Rams game from Back in January, or was it? Even, yeah, the yeah. NFC Championship. I don't ago. know if it would be that. That was on the other side of the spectrum because that was a blatant no call. This was a blatant of uh, shouldn't have been called, uh, which I think is worse. Is I, I, I think this I is think worse. worse. Yeah, because well, I mean, I, I mean, I think the two are, are like you know interchangeable. That they're they're not really they're like on opposite sides of the spectrum because everything is opposite this is an offensive pass interference that shouldn't have been called whereas the other one was a defensive pass interference that should have been called it wasn't so both were bad i'm i'm not sure both this one more directly i think cost um cost purdue the win because the saints won if you remember they still scored the field goal and then the rams or yeah then the rams got the ball back went down the field scored a field goal still had to do that still had to get the ball back in overtime this touchdown real quick back. touchdown for Let's illinois 37 17 peters is able to kind of uh roll around to the left side of the line and get in there with no problem and no but, but you're right harry and isaac it's like when you think about calls like that late game situation now you can say it had a direct impact on the game, not just because it wiped off the touchdown, but because of then the time left in the game and how far Purdue had to go, they had to take shots. And that led to an interception, ill-advised, but still, it's not like Purdue could dink and dunk their way down for a touchdown in that game situation. So it directly impacted the call itself, impacted that play, but it impacted the play calling that came after it, which led to the interception. But I, I just don't understand how in that situation you can... I just feel like you'd need to see something more to even throw the damn flag, like anything more. The arm extended, I get it, but you, the the Minnesota guy didn't even break stride. It didn't affect him at all. So I, I don't know. It's I feel awful for Purdue fans. I I would have been sick to my stomach and having a hard time getting to sleep after that. And then just imagine what it would have been like in the locker room after that, when you know you had a game taken away from you. Yeah, did Jeff Brom ever go to the pre- – did he have a presser or was he just he did. so mad he didn't even show up? No, he, he did. did. He did, but he was he was relatively muted about it, um, which it would have been hard for me to exercise that same amount of um, restraint in a situation like that. So, okay, Illinois is up 38-17, to 17, a touchdown drive to respond to Nebraska's touchdown drive, basically taking the momentum Nebraska may have had and, and shut it down. We need to start thinking of puns about winning this game because, guys, in our text back and forth, 
there was not, uh, I think we were all assuming that this game was not going to go well for Illinois based on past experience with Nebraska. Well, now we got to think of something positive. Do we have anything? It turns out it's easier to come up with corn puns when you lose. It is. It so is. we're going to have to sit here and be creative. Um, is there something having to do with Cobb or Cobbs hmm. that's positive? Anything to do with Lincoln? Corn. Lincoln, I Nebraska. Corn. There's hmm. got to be something with Lincoln. I mean, we're Illinois and they're Nebraska, so there's Lincoln in both regards. Scott Frost. I mean, there's all the Frost puns that you could go with. I mean, you could go Nebraska kicking, which I don't yeah. know if that's – I mean, I think that's kosher. That's PG-13. We have we have a lot of kids that listen. Actually, I don't know that at all. <laughs> we don't really have a demographic breakdown, so for all I know, it's uh, – we do have people listening in South Korea. We have uh, a few people in Europe. So we are we are international. In fact, more often than not, the 200 level is a top 50 basketball podcast in South Korea. How that many basketball podcasts are there in South Korea? What's that, that there? Is, I, what's that, Harry? Sorry. I said that is such a weird statistic. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, that should just be the title. <laughs> top 50 college basketball <laughs> podcast in North or in South Korea. I mean, I re- North Korea. I remember. Wow. What if, if North Korea, that'd be amazing. Uh, I was thinking back to the T and J days, like over the course of those eight years or whatever, I think almost every nation in the world somehow logged on to that Podbean site. And you don't know if it's robots or if it's people, well, not robots. What am I talking about? People with like VPNs, you know, those um, private network things where maybe it says that they're logging in from someplace that they are not logging in from. But by the end of that show, it had basically, you named the country and J had been listened to according to the stats in that country. All right, kickoff here for Illinois. It is a touchback. 2.30 to go in the third. I feel like I should be more excited. Why am I so muted about this, Harry? What do you think? Yeah, sorry, I had you on mute there. I don't, I don't know, because um, you're expecting the, the bottom to fall out, or because you don't. I mean, from what I've been able to grasp, a uh, a loss leads to more of an expected outcome, whereas a win puts us in um, more limbo. Which I don't care. I, I mean, I don't care. I told you guys, I'm happy with what happens today. I'm I'm more of a short term guy. I, I always want to see us win. Um, so. Oh, if you go week to week and say, I want to win this week, I want to win this week, and that keeps happening, then I'm never going to complain. You know, at the but, end of the day, you mentioned it too, Harry. I mean, this is this would be history. I mean, you've never won in Nebraska. So you're making history for one. You become relevant this season with Ohio State coming to town. And I know, listen, it could be one of the better Illinois teams, but knowing the talent that's coming in next Saturday, we wouldn't even feel good about it. But what the hell, if Illinois holds this lead... Then all of a sudden we have a week to think, well, you know, maybe it's no, dangerous. Stop that, stop that, stop that. <laughs> well, gonna, if we come within 42 points next week, I'll call that a W. Okay, so right. let's check this score. Uh, 35-21 Ohio State. Ohio State's up by 14. 35-21? Yeah, yeah. Indiana's okay. trying to hang in there. They're trying. They're doing their darndest. Um, but, I mean, that's that's a good Indiana team that they're probably going to end up beating – by I would say 20 points, just like the spread is saying. So, um, and if, if somehow Indiana does win or at least keeps it maybe a one score game and keeps it close, then you're going to have an Ohio state team that's saying we need to destroy Illinois to show that we belong in the discussion for the college football playoff. In which case 
I would, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable coming within 60 because that would be a bloodbath. But right now, say they hang out against Indiana, you give your best game, they come out sluggish next week. Uh, you can, I mean, what was that? 28 points, um, maybe. I mean, imagine losing to them. Ima- imagine losing 38 20. That's not happening. I would feel good about that. I'd feel fine yeah, I would too, with Iowa I'm coming to town. Guys, it's not happening. We're not going to lose by 18 points to a team that's been killing people and needs to make their case for the college football playoff. But Harry, you were you would have been on the field back in 2015, the Cubit year, and the offense didn't do a whole lot that day. But wasn't it like a three score win for Ohio State? It wasn't. They a won 28 to three. Okay, so they stretched it out late. Uh, we they might have a fumble out. here, that guys. Game, we might have I a fumble. Oh, that is that, a fumble. I always say that game was closer than the score indicated because I think it was 7-3 at halftime and 14-3 going in to the um, – I forget when it was – going into maybe the um, the, the fourth quarter. Um, but but I don't know. This, this just doesn't feel like one of those situations. You know, that was – I think that was late in the year. That was a – a team on Illinois that had a really tough defense. I think and was it 2015 our defense was good? 2015 the defense was good and the offense is bad. Yeah. Cubits last so, year. Yeah. And then I think Ohio State was Ohio State's always really good, but Ohio State that year I think they I don't I don't think they made the playoffs. I think that was the year after they won the national championship. I think they kind of came in there sleepwalking. And um, this year, they, they can't afford to do that any week. You said sleep. So. You said sleep walking, Harry, with like I-N apostrophe instead of I-N-G. Notice how the entire uh, broadcast, we've been called the fighting Illini. Fighting. We're tackling. Fighting. Running. Apostrophe. So we did recover that fumble. It's second down and eight. 38 to 17 Illinois with, uh, they will have to get one more playoff here before the end of the third. Y- you score here. I mean, listen. I, the game is effectively over because Nebraska getting that one score in the third quarter, that was a quick drive. Other than that, though, this defense has been pretty damn good apart from two drives today. That's really it. Uh, let's see. Brandon Peters with the handoff up the middle. This is Chase Brown. He's got a first and more up to the 30. And that will be it for the third quarter. Illinois will go into the final quarter of this game in Lincoln, Nebraska, searching for the first win in Lincoln since 1924 with a 21-point lead. I got to give uh, Jeremy credit because he was talking about Chase Brown all offseason, and that was even without seeing camp this year. Um, and Chase has looked really good. Uh, this, I mean, he came out last game too, but he's looked really good today. Yeah, Jeremy called that. He, I was worried about the of, of losing Corbin and Dre Brown, and I thought Dre Brown actually was the bigger loss based on how he was running last year. Corbin, for whatever reason, kind of fell off. Um but man, Chase Brown's a sophomore. Yeah, we have him for two more years. I mean, unless he just totally breaks out as a junior and goes pro early, I don't know about that. But the guy's a stud. Now, Epstein, what is his eligibility situation? He's done, I think. Right after this year, is or he a six? May- uh, he might be a six-year senior. I feel like because he missed like multiple years with injury. I mean, Harry, um, you played with him, right? You would have been on this team with Epstein. No, no. His his first year was was the year after my last year. So 2017 was his first year up here? Yeah, so he was 17, 18, 19. This is 20. So, so he wouldn't year, be done yet. Next year, so yeah, he, a fifth he definitely year had at least one more year. So what do you let's let's do this and I'm not trying to <laughs> Okay, so here we know what the conundrum is, right? For me, 
it is the short term. This is awesome. I'm going to enjoy this. I know Trevor said that in the text thread. He hopefully might join us later. But yes, enjoy this because this is his- historic in terms of Illinois football history. And it's just a good old fashioned ass kicking or Nebraska kicking, which I think maybe that's what we call this podcast. Good old fashioned Nebraska kicking. I didn't expect it. I'm having fun watching it. Um, it, it just complicates for me the long term. But it, you know what would make this so much easier, guys, is if you could just tell me that, well, finally, now that you got everybody back, Lovey's figured it out. We got it. You know, problem solved. And um, it turns out Wisconsin was just that good. And then Coran Taylor just wasn't very good. That's why you lost those two games. If that is, in fact, what happened, okay. I guess we move on status quo, but that's just the concern is that, Oh my God, don't give me another one of these mirage, you know, Oasis kind of comebacks in the middle of the season. That doesn't amount to anything that that's, that's my concern. I don't know if either of you guys feel the same way about that. I'm, uh, I mean, I, I like I said, I, for the most part, Enjoy I for what it is. Of- yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a win. If we win this game, this is a win over Nebraska. That's fun. I mean, I, I said there needs to be an absolute disaster of a season this year for you to um, for you to consider moving on just because of all the circumstances that are going into this season. I would say that would basically include, after this, going 0-3 with not any of the games coming within three touchdowns. Um I, you know, aside from that, I don't care what happens for, you know, next year, simply because of how much, you know, how helter skelter this offseason has been and what this season's been like. Great song. I mean, I mean, we don't even know if Ohio State's going to be in the Big Ten championship game because they had a game canceled because of COVID. So, I mean, it, it, this entire season is going to look completely different than what we would have expected otherwise. So whether or not you move on, I'm not really going to blame Josh either way. Because I, because I don't know what to take away from from what we've seen so far. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, well, here, I, I I agree and I disagree. I agree with the the complications of this year, and the evaluation is not going to be the same as if it were the normal 2020 12 game schedule. Where even if you get the three non conference wins, I still think it would have been evaluated on how did you do in the Big Ten. And if you didn't do well or if you backslid from last year, I think a move would have been made. But yeah, that that complicates it. I think it's just it is so bizarre to watch this game and I'm I'm having a hard time processing it as I'm watching it. I know Nebraska, they're making mistakes. I know we're taking advantage of those mistakes. So I can't I'm not gonna dock Illinois for well, Nebraska kind of sucks today. Illinois has something to do with that. But it's just bizarre to watch this game after a lot of quarters of bad football. And it's like, can it just be as simple as, oh, Brandon Peters is back? I don't know. Can it be just as simple as a few guys here and there are back? I mean, because for the most part, the defense was intact for the entire season. And finally today, they've discovered, and I guess a little bit last week to an extent, they've discovered how to play good enough defense, which is all you're really asking from. So I don't know, Isaac. I feel like um, this is... I'm just not processing this in the in the now because it's just not anything I could have anticipated. Yeah, I'm going to try to be like Harry and just enjoy this win, live in the moment, and we'll have plenty of time to think about the lovey situation in That's the future. Yeah. But <laughs> but it, I think at the end of the season, you got to look at what percentage of Lovey's career, what percentage of the quarters he was here were miserable football. And what percentage were competent 
solid, smooth football. And then you got to take that into consideration. And, you know, if you finish the year strong, as much as I wouldn't love it, I wouldn't blame Josh for bringing back Lovey. I would rather move on personally, if I'm going to throw that out there right now, but you got to look at the whole picture because outside of that few game stretch last year, it's been pretty rough to watch. And outside of this game and brief moments at Rutgers, it's not been very competitive football. So that's what's crazy. This is four good quarter. I mean, three so far. I mean, I know there's still a full quarter to go here with Illinois third and three. If they convert this, they're easily within field goal range and uh, might as well just go down and score a touchdown. But yeah, we are on the path now for a complete game. And if you think about it, the only other time that that's happened in the Lubby era, I guess Minnesota two years ago, that was kind of an aberration. I'm talking Big Ten teams that you played, but Purdue last year. Like, I, I love that game. I know it was kind of a mess, and it wasn't high scoring, but I loved watching that game because it was never really in doubt. And I texted my dad when Illinois went up 14-7. to I said, I think we're just better, and I think we're going to blow the doors off of these guys. And it was that was in the first quarter. Where I'm like, where, where did this come from? And yet, as it's happening, you think, oh, my God, like this, this is why Jeremy, and this is why, well, hell, the coaching staff and other people, Lon, I think was higher on this team too. This is why. And it's like, oh, God, I mean, I guess if, if we can get this the rest of the year, you got a shot against Iowa, I guess. You got a shot against Northwestern, I guess. And you certainly got a shot against whoever you play in that ninth game because it's probably going to be Penn State or Michigan or, I don't know, Maryland, something like that. You got a shot in that. So, uh, yeah, it just seems uh, weird that we're about to maybe watch our first uh, or one of the few complete Four quarter games from a Lovey Smith team in in Big Ten play. I I, I didn't I, anticipate I, that, Harry. What uh, wait, what was that last thing? You I said? just said I just said I didn't anticipate that. I thought that I mean yeah, there are paths where they could win this game, but I didn't expect it would be four quarters of really solid football on both sides. I think last year, um, you know, obviously Rutgers wasn't because you didn't really pull away in that until the second half. Michigan State obviously wasn't. Um, Purdue, Purdue, I felt like that was never in doubt. I feel like you didn't really pull away until the third quarter, but I thought you were you were ahead for good in the second quarter. I mean, uh, obviously you weren't winning in, against Wisconsin for 60 minutes. Game was over. But that one, I, if I, I remember afterwards we were saying, like, this felt weird in that it didn't feel feel weird, in that it didn't feel like a fluky win and you were able to hang with them for 60 minutes. Yeah. Um, so I thought that one was was a was a um, was a complete game as well. Um, this one this one was very unexpected. Um, but it was definitely probably more one of the more dominating wins. I don't know if you've had a more dominating win um, in Big Ten play than than this one will be if we're able to hold on. So I mean, that, that's what's encouraging with this one. And I said it at the beginning of the year, it would have to take an absolute train wreck of a season. And I said that was anything under three wins. Um, you know, that was before all the COVID stuff happened. So I, I don't know if I want to readjust that. I still think under three wins, that's getting kind of into a little bit of a hairy situation. Uh, but if you win this, you're not going to, beat Ohio State so then you have two chances to beat Iowa and Northwestern that's not really 
I'm not feeling great about either one of those. And then uh, the last game of the season would be against, like you said, Michigan State or Michigan or whoever that would be. Um, if you if you win one of those, then I'm then I'm basically saying status quo for now. I wasn't expecting anything more with what's going on this year, and anything less, I'm saying I'll you know coin flip for for, uh, for Whitman. I think what's going to happen is you're going to compete in those Iowa Northwestern games. You're going to compete and, and maybe not look bad. Uh, Ohio State, we know what that is, and I don't think that's going to be used against Lovey in any sort of evaluation. But yeah, I, I guess my fear to that point, Harry, would be that you do still finish 2-7 and seven based on the fact that you didn't make hay in the early part of the schedule. And, of course, there were missing guys, including Brandon Peters. That didn't help. Um, but I still felt like you had enough, especially against Purdue. And then the Minnesota game, who knows what the hell happened with that? That was just a disaster from the start. Isaiah Williams, he scrambles for first down. Illinois now has a second and six from uh, the 14-yard line. Another good run. The run the run game, though, the last two weeks has been fantastic. you got two really good running backs. The offensive line is starting to look like what you hope for. I guess you know bringing Doug Kramer back, that does matter. It absolutely does. And Illinois has a chance now to go up four scores. And I think they probably will to put this thing away. Brandon and Peters. Seven years ago. Sorry. What, what, sorry what, what's that, Harry? Sorry. You said four scores. So I said uh, seven years yes. ago. You know, you, earlier, earlier you said a Harry situation. I, I just wonder what would be not like Harry, like hair on, on your head, but your name. What would a Harry situation be? That would be a very, well, ha- Harry, <laughs> H- H-A-R-R-Y is also a verb. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think it means to, 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 uh, to be in a hurry or to be fast. Hmm. You know, yeah. Does it? Harry is a verb. I think so. I'm pretty well, sure. I'm, I'm, I mean, I would hope. I would hope I would know that it's my name. Harry um, definition. Uh, persistently carry out attacks on an enemy or an enemy's territory. Here's a, an example sentence: The Raiders then spent three months harrying and burning the area. Good lord! Or it also means persistently harass. The government is being mercilessly harried by a new lobby. How about that, Harry? That's what a Harry situation. Did I say? Did I say? Did you I were say close. Harry? Well, I mean, I guess you you, eh. you at least got the intensity of it, like doing something quickly, or and then yeah, they said yeah. persistently, and then it actually has to do with harassing and attacking people. Have you ever been? Have you guys ever been in a fight? I've never been in a, a fight in my life. I'm I'm a pacifist, so oh, for the most nice. part, I'm not. The I was I I threw fisticuffs once when this kid wanted to fight me for some reason and I kept kind of backing up I was like what the hell are you doing and then like he missed and I kind of smacked him in the side of the ear wow (laughs) like a a ton of bricks it was it was pretty funny but no um for the most part I I really you know I'm a large human being so I don't like to get into fights Isaac have you been in a fight before I haven't I'm like I hate confrontation for the most part so anytime things get hairy uh uh, I like to kind of <laughs> dip out. Um, so yeah, that, that was a, that was a low blow pun there, but, um, no, I've, I've never been punched, punched <laughs> anyone or anything of that nature. Yeah. I, the, the closest I got, and I don't even know how close it was. So it was an Illinois, Missouri game in St. Louis back in 07. And I was walking around LaCleed's landing. That used to be the hot spot before ballpark village walking around LaCleed's landing and, this guy in a Missouri, um, he was wearing a Missouri number nine jersey for Jeremy Macklin. And I had my number nine Aurelius Ben jersey on. He's like, what does it feel like wearing the 
the second best number nine jersey on the field. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. But he kept talking. And then it turned into this whole thing where he's like, well, what do you study at Illinois? And I said, journalism. And then he's like, yeah, well, we got the best journalism school in the nation. I'm like, God damn it, touche. Like, I mean, <laughs> he, he, yeah, I, roasted, he <laughs> I roasted myself, essentially. And then he had a hat on. And I, you mentioned slapping that guy in the ear, Harry. I took my hand and I like tipped his hat off of his head from the bill. I, I took my like Ooh. three things, which is a very like disrespectful thing to do. Uh-oh. And my brother-in-law and my friend Andrew were, they're like, okay, okay. And the, we, it, 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 nothing happened, but it was, I was asking for it at that point by pulling that crap. I will say, I will say, um, Jeremy Macklin was a lot better than a really, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, he had a better but, pro career easily. And he was really yeah. good that, that night. If I recall, Jeremy Macklin was just, that was the, actually that might've been Oh eight. So it was after the Rose bowl. And I'm pretty sure that that would have been, um, not maybe that was chase Daniel. I think chase Daniel started that game and just roasted that Illinois defense. Chase, do you ever, I mean, chase Daniel, I thought for the longest name was chase Daniel. Oh, most people, yeah, yeah, most people uh, thought it was Daniels, yeah. Yeah, hey, but, but that's one of those. Sorry, Harry. I was going to say that's one of those, um, what, what's it called? The, the thing, like the Berenstain Bears, where you think it's a Mandela effect, yeah. I feel like uh, Chase Daniel is a, is a Mandela effect kind of thing. The Berenstain Bears <laughs> thing is bizarre. I didn't discover that until Reddit a couple years ago, because my entire life I thought it was the Berenstain B R E B R B E R E N. We know that part, but I always thought it was S T E I N. But it's actually Stain, right? Baron Stain. Yeah, but I still think it's. I think everyone still pronounces it Baron Stein Bears. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anyone who calls it the Baron Stain Bears. That's just. It, it, also, who cares about the Baron Stain Bears? I do. Like, what, are I they love like those PBS? books. Up. Are they Franklin? What are they? No, there was a, a popular children's book series. Isaac, did you read Baron Stein Bears back in the day? I didn't, but oh, I had an interesting story with Chase Daniel at Bears camp last year. Um, I was I got to drive around the players on a golf cart for huh. camp, and uh, I met Chase Daniel. And I remember saying something about how I was a big U of I fan, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that used to be like my favorite game." And he was like, "Yeah, we pretty much kicked their ass every year." <laughs> I was like. Yeah, you certainly oh, did, Chase. Well, they did. Well, I mean, I was like, all right, you can get off here, sir. <laughs> yeah. Th- those games, though, like, so I went in 07, I went in 08 in 2010. Did not I'm gonna, go. I'm going to jump real quick. I'm just going to, I got to let you guys know I got to go. Harry, but, uh, uh, great talking with you. And uh, wow, a pretty, pretty good day. You'll probably be uh, cutting highlights of this. This this will get some national pub, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> no? I don't even know about that. I mean, yeah. you still got Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Ohio oh, State, Indiana. That's true. Well, Harry, have a good uh, have a good work day, my friend. Thank you. I shall talk to you guys later. All right, sounds good. Harry Black, of course. Uh, Isaac, right now we're looking at a pretty significant injury for a Nebraska player. I didn't see the play yeah. as it happened. Did you happen to catch that? No, it was on the. Was it on that last run by? Epstein? Or? Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is, and they're covering him. They are not showing the replay, and that leads me to wow, believe it's pretty bad. Judging on even the Illini sideline is um, looking a little bit tense by what's going on here. Uh, real quick uh, to give you guys where we're at in the game: it's thirty-eight seventeen. Illinois is five yards away from scoring again. There is a Nebraska player down. They are. They have him on a stretcher, and they're kind of tying his legs down and all of that. So I don't know if there's any movement or not. 
Yeah, this kind of puts the old damper on things, understandably. Whenever they bring out this stretcher, it's just scary because you automatically assume the worst. Mm -hmm. And football, as beautiful as a game as it is, it has that those situations where freak things happen, you get your neck jarred and and you can you can be in trouble. I, I honestly wonder how it doesn't happen more, just how violent yeah. the game, just how violent it is, but also just how athletic these guys are now that just the laws of physics, you think as fast as they're running into each other, there'd be more and more of it. I, I, I actually, always oh, go ahead, Isaac. Yeah, I was just going to say, I always am amazed by rugby because they're not wearing any pads or anything. And they're those guys are like lumberjacks running all over that field tackling each other but you they don't get i think the concussion rate for football is like higher than than rugby or something crazy like that so um i don't know if they just have perfect form tackling or what but um that's it's crazy world i think it probably speaks to the difference in which you play when you don't have your head protected by something and if, if you feel like oh well, i got this helmet on i can just kind of launch yeah. around no problem that these guys in rugby or i don't know if, does australian rules football they don't wear helmets either that's essentially rugby so. that they know that there's there's a point to which they can go without really putting their neck at risk but um, yeah I, I think they're close to getting getting him off the field here so all of nebraska's defense is on the field looks like illinois offense they're kneeling down um this is going to go down as a really bad day. I mean, from our perspective, this is fun. Yeah. This is going to go down as a really bad day for Nebraska. And if you're a Nebraska fan and you see Scott Frost lose at home by multiple touchdowns to this Illinois team, how much faith do you have that he's going to turn it around at this point? Did Frost, did he come in the year after Lovey or the same year? He is in year three, if okay. I recall. Uh, and well, let me, let me double check that because if this is year four, he, I know that Lovey lost to Mike Riley at least in yep. his first year, which that's that's just embarrassing to have on your resume when you lose to Mike Riley, which yeah. was the most bizarre hire from Oregon State. And of course, yep. the argument was, well, you know, he won six games a year at Oregon State. That's like winning 10 games a year elsewhere. Maybe. But I, I thought <laughs> you you got rid of nine perpetually nine and four Bo Pelini. And I know nobody liked him, but he won nine, 10 games every year. And that wasn't good enough for them. And I guess the grass is not. Always greener. Michigan, to an extent, has found that out as well after the Lloyd Carr yeah. era. This might be the longest I've ever seen it take to get somebody off the field. So, but I'll I'll be positive. Let's hope for the best. Yeah, no movement that that we no. can see as they get him on this. I guess that's the the orange thing's a stretcher. They're getting him on the what the gurney now to roll him off. I, yeah. Okay, so Scott Frost got there in uh, 2018. So his total record really? in Nebraska's. 10 and 17, 7 and 14 in the conference, but after this will be 10 and 18, 7 and 15 in conference. And if you take out the two Illinois wins that he had before, he only had five conference wins. Yeah, and I I was actually listening to Jeremy's podcast a couple of days ago and uh I forget the name of the guy he had on, but he brought up a good point about Nebraska. And I mean I I'm not some Nebraska guru, but he was saying, yeah, Frost has been recruiting pretty well, but that's never been a problem at Nebraska. They've always been able to bring in recruits just based off their name and based off of uh, their experience at the at the game. So it's really if you can turn this into talent. And it's tough. I mean, just like it's tough to move from college to the NFL or NFL back down, 
it's tough to move from UCF to Nebraska where you're expected to compete with the Ohio States and compete with Michigan and um, these solid teams on a weekly basis. And yeah, it's, it's not an easy task. So I I'll admit, I, I thought Frost was a home run hire. Yeah, I thought he'd have them back pretty much ASAP. So it is, it is pretty confusing that he's taken this long to kind of get things rolling. And if I'm a Nebraska fan, I, I'm feeling pretty upset today. Absolutely, because it's one thing to give up this many points. I mean, and that's bad enough because Illinois' offense had not been consistently good all year. And kudos to Illinois for figuring it out. But only scoring 17 on this defense. And maybe they score again. I don't know. I, I don't know how this is what we just saw on the field. That was, like you said, one of the longer breaks we've seen for an injury. Even an injury is apparently bad as this one. But I'm thinking... You know, at this point, Nebraska, whatever little juice they had left for this game anyways, is pretty much gone. You know, I mean, yeah. Illinois is going to punch this in, go up 45 to 17, which it just is bizarre saying that going up 45, 17 in Nebraska. And that's it. So it, I, I don't know what it would take for Nebraska to get back. But I got to be honest, you can go back to even Bo Pelini. And then I think it was Bill Callahan before that. since Tom Osborne left, and I guess after that, Frank Solich took him to a national title game in around 2000 with Eric Crouch. Since that, it's been 20 years since they've been nationally relevant. They've been, you know, top 20 every so often, but nationally relevant, it's been far longer than any 18-year-old recruit that you go to now. They aren't going to remember the Tom Osborne era. That's selling ancient history at that point. Yeah, it's it's similar to the Michigan situation. I mean, you're you're recruiting based off of a brand that you've established but a lot of these i mean nebraska hasn't i i heard about nebraska back in the day just because my dad you know they were really good back when he was in college and everything but the farther you get away from those glory days the farther it the harder it is to bring these young kids in because these kids are used to oregon ohio state clemson all the you know all the uniforms and things you get it's it's less about the tough hard nose Nebraska and Michigan's and um, so yeah recruiting's got to be a lot different now I'm sure it's a big adjustment um, for these guys but it, it is nice being on this side of things carp where oh, isn't it Nebra- <laughs> Nebraska's fans are going to look at this and be like well Illinois hasn't has barely put up points on anybody and they've let up so many points and we lost 38 17 or whatever the final score is and that's what we do every week because we're saying well, you know, Purdue didn't put up that many points last week and then they score 40 something on us or we let uh we only scored 7 against so and so. So it's nice to be on the flip side of that where I imagine uh Husker fans are going to be pretty confused as to why they they got strictly dominated. Yeah. And right now we got an interesting thing here. Third and goal from the 6. Isaiah Williams in at quarterback. He is going to keep it and actually no, actually he he handed it off to Chase Brown up to the 3. Fourth he and goal. tried to push him forward. Yeah, yeah, that was, you know, Brandon Peters has been so good that listen, my I, I'm eating crow for my tweet before the game, and 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 happily so, that you should have started Isaiah. Isaiah Williams is not making some of the throws that Brandon did today to really stretch this lead. That is a fact. Right now, where Isaiah Williams is as a quarterback. However, when you bring him in a situation like that. Nebraska is immediately thinking run. And I thought the creative thing on a third and goal from the six, even if it fails, would have been, well, bring him out and then try to catch Nebraska napping and just have him go with a quick little uh, pass pattern to Daniel Barker or something like that. Um, Because that that would not have been 
what Nebraska was preparing for. You might have been able to catch them off guard there. But you know what? You got a field goal. It's yeah. 41-17. Um, it may not matter. I, I It would have been cooler, and this is me getting gritty, to think those two field goals you've got in the second half, if you convert those to touchdowns, you're talking 49-17. to 17. Yeah. Sorry, a 50, 52 to 17, right? Or God, do I suck at Is that right? Yeah, because we would have 49, 49. It's yeah. 49. This is why I'm Math not an accountant. Hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're setting Isaiah up for failure. And I kind of mentioned this in the text before. It's Isaiah, if he goes in, you know, yeah, like you were saying, the defense is going to know exactly what's coming. So if they're putting eight in a box like that, knowing Isaiah's probably not going to throw it then you're just going to make him look bad you're going to take out some of his confidence and it, it was a, it was a tough situation though for rod and lovey i'm sure just to to think about that it's, it and, is a difficult call it is but we we have to be pretty this is pretty exciting for the future though i mean if you can keep isaiah moving up there he's clearly he got the legs he's got the speed Let's send him to Peyton Manning's QB camp or whatever and <laughs> just teach him to throw because short he's short, but that's been proven to work, especially at the college level. So, and it, it's difficult. It's a lot different throwing a touchdown at Trinity Catholic than it is here in the Big Ten, obviously. But I think Isaiah's got the ability. We saw him make a couple throws last week in the clutch to Casey Washington that you see the potential there. He just looks like he hasn't thrown a complete game or the complete route combinations against a big 10 defense. So, and, and Brandon, Brandon seems to be a pretty good guy to learn, learn from when it comes to that deep ball down the field, he's made, he's made some throws today to the back shoulder and deep down the field. I I imagine if NFL scouts are watching, they, they might be kind of enticed by that. You know, he could get us just based on his size and his arm. I, I could see him getting invited to a camp or something like that. Yeah, I the reason I was low on starting Brandon this game is because last year, even when they made that run, there was a lot of inconsistency, even within a game that he would perform. There'd be a couple good quarters and a couple not so good quarters. And that might have been unfair of me to say that because that could go for the whole team. So I'm really kind of singling him out when I say that. Uh, but I thought, man, you know, let's not overcomplicate this. You got Isaiah Williams. You know what he can do. And while he may be limited, you at least have an identity with him. My fear was that we were going to get a better performance than Wisconsin, for sure. But more like 20 points on offense where you got a couple flashes, but nothing sustained. You've gotten the opposite. You did not finish three of these drives. Uh, and that's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, if they would have, then they would have literally played a perfect game. So can I ask for perfection? No, that'd be unfair. Um, what you've seen is a really good offensive performance. 20 points off takeaways as they show four takeaways. Yet again, lovey ball at work. I know Nebraska handed you a few of them, but you took them and you took advantage of it. And I think that's, I can't take any of that away from this Illinois team. This has just been a dominant performance. Yeah, that's what's nice is the defense did their thing, got some takeaways. And it's one thing to get a takeaway and it's another thing to get a takeaway and score. You need to be clicking on both sides of the ball. And as much as it's frustrating most weeks to live or die by the turnover, when you're living by the turnover, it's a pretty nice life. Um, but in these recent weeks when we haven't turned the ball over or forced this many turnovers, it's it's a tough, tough day to watch this defense. But give, give Lovey credit. I mean, his guys have stepped up. And you wonder if, if this team, you know, was okay, we're healthy. Let's actually show people why 
a lot of the media was higher up on us, why guys like Jeremy were so high on us. And they're finally pretty much at full strength. Brandon Peters wanted to show why he was the starting quarterback coming into camp. And the thing about Brandon, though, and I know he had a rough game at Wisconsin, but in last year, like you were saying, he was a little bit bumpy. We knew that's what he was going to be coming to Illinois because that's why he couldn't start at Michigan. He wasn't like a a perfect, great passer rating quarterback that yeah. consistently played 12 games a season. Um, but gee whiz, if you think back to, you know, the past few years, the quarterbacks that we've been shuffling through, I'll take Brandon Peters in a heartbeat compared to that garbage we had to watch. You never knew who was playing quarterback. I think we saw earlier what there's been 10 quarterbacks in Lovey Smith's coaching career. They said 10. Now, I, the way they phrased it to was like, you know, he's been dealing with 10 quarterbacks. And I thought, well, he kind of has a hand in solving that. But yeah. to your point. By getting that transfer with Brandon Peters, you've had more stability of that position the last two years than you have since Nathan Shieldhouse. Because, well, Wes Lunt couldn't stay on the field. Chase Crouch, tough guy, couldn't throw. What, what are some of the other names Jeff we've George had? Jeff George Jr. Jeff George. Oh, my gosh. Which, by the way, he did get you that win. The most random yeah. win of the Lovey Smith era against Michigan State that first year. Uh, and I actually saw him start at Michigan. So that was the first Harbaugh Lovey game. Well, oh, maybe yeah. we'll maybe we'll touch on Harbaugh in a bit. I don't know what the hell's <laughs> going on with that. A real quick score update here, and um, this is more just for my own betting purposes. Forty-two to twenty-eight, Ohio State with the lead, but Indiana with the ball with ten and a half to go. I immediately jumped on that last week, Isaac, when it was twenty-one points, thinking that's disrespectful. And by the way, Indiana just scores on a fifty-six-yard touchdown pass to tie uh, Freifogel, wow. and that that kid's a stud from uh, Michael Penix yeah. Jr. Uh, that is going to be a one-score game with 10 minutes to go. So I think my my $5 bet's looking pretty good there. Yeah, if if IU covers, that's that's big for them. I think that just establishes them as a legit Big Ten team. And in a year where world's been crazy and nobody knows who's going to be playing week to week just with COVID, Indiana's taking advantage of it. And I think they're legit. I, I would have to look to see. I think they're a more veteran team, so I'm not exactly sure if they're going to be relevant for a while, but you got to give their coach. Uh, oh, Tom, Tom Allen. He's done an incredible job because that program, thinking about it in my lifetime, they had Antoine Randall, one of the best, statistically at least at that point, one of the best quarterbacks yeah. in Big Ten history, one of the first true dual threat guys, and they didn't make a bowl game with him. Not one. I think they made one in the 90s. They made one in 88. They had a good year or something like that. But it wasn't until, uh, you know, Kevin Wilson had an identity with that offense. But it wasn't until Tom Allen. And not only are they developing some consistency, they, they've turned into a hell of a program. And depending on how quickly Penn State and Michigan can figure their stuff out, they could establish themselves as the number two in that division. And, and and hang on to that for a little bit. Unless, I don't know, this. maybe this is the perfect storm where they're just a bunch of seniors, kind of like the 01 Illinois team, and then they're going to fall off next year. But if he is, in fact, building something there, I, there's no reason why in the Big Ten East, especially with how bad the teams at the bottom are, that they can't win eight games a year for the foreseeable future. Hey, don't forget about Michigan State either. They can't get it together, at no. least right now. So no. it's going to be... Mel Tucker might take a little while to get get Michigan State back to national relevance. So, yeah, I mean, as much as I hate to see IU do anything good, I don't know if we're really that big of rivals in football, but I just carried over from basketball. Yeah, you got got to give them credit. That's got to be a hard program too. But see, 
I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, right? I'm in this moment, but I can't help but think how in the hell Indiana is number nine in the country and they somehow have all this talent. And then why, like, why can't that be us? Is Bloomington, right. Indiana somehow way better than Champaign, Illinois <laughs> that you can't recruit or get guys here? I, I, it doesn't make any sense. No, it, it doesn't. doesn't. come down to coaching. It, it is coaching. And that's where, you know, that's where today's result is tempered because the carryover effect, how much of their, how much of a carryover effect will there be? We won't know next week, right? I mean, I think that's safe to say. Yeah. They come out and they compete for even half of that game. I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, they, they might have a little bit of something here for the Iowa-Northwestern games coming up. But, I, oh, man, that was a vicious hit there. A nice catch from number one, Nate Hobbs, came up and kind of like horse-collared him midair. So we got a second down and, what, third and four, uh, second and third, second and four. With eight and a half to go, North, uh, Nebraska's not moving it quite quick enough to no. make this interesting here. Uh, let's see, a throw over to the sideline. That'll be another first down, but they're only at the 40. Um, but yeah, to your point about coaching, this is where the excitement of this is tempered because of long-term just not buying in based on what we've seen with Lovey's tenure at Illinois. That's where I, I really wanted to go one way or the other. That's why last year, had they finished, let's say, 7-5, and five, even just beating Northwestern, I don't care how ugly that win would have been, but finishing with a true winning record. I know it's arbitrary, but it would have felt so different. It would have felt like we didn't uh, completely peter out at the end of the season because if you think about it, at Iowa last year, it was a we felt pretty good after that, even though you lost. You felt like, well, yeah, we're, I, we're just I as was... good as we were during the four-game win streak. I was at Kinnick that game, and I remember thinking, like, we lost, but we had chances to win, and we played. That that might honestly go into the category, even though we lost, of a four, pretty much four quarters of good football because we we competed the whole time. We made plays to win the game. Peters threw a bad interception in the end zone, I think, early in the third quarter. But I had people leaving. I was talking to Iowa fans on the way out saying, you know, like, Illinois, Illinois is looking good this year. Like, they're back, and they might have just been being nice, but – <laughs> the the three game losing streak to end the season, just the way, especially yeah, like the Northwestern game and then Cal, it didn't completely outdo the four game win streak last year, but it definitely put a tamper or a damper on it because, um, that's a good a good football team is just consistent. You never have such low lows, and then you're just consistently playing competitively. So that's got to be just one of the craziest seasons in college football where you can lose to Eastern Michigan then beat Wisconsin, come back, you know, just all the things that happened last year. Um, but good teams go on the road and good teams beat teams they're supposed to beat. That's why the Northwestern game was so confusing last year. And I know every week this season, for the most part, we've been saying, this is Lovey Smith's most important game, you know, coming off the last week. But next week's a scratch, you know, unless we somehow compete, we're going to say good things about lovey, but if we lose 42 to seven, I mean, what are we going to take away from that game? Well, I, I so, will say this here. Here's my concern. I noticed it during the the game and the announcers today going to the injury slash COVID thing with guys that have been out and lovey even fed them some lines that they were talking about in the first quarter. The lovey says he's really excited to see his full, his team fully healthy. And that is, that is true. Like today is the first time that we've seen everybody, but we are not, alone in having had COVID or injury issues this year. And 
It'd be one thing if you had lost a close game at home to Minnesota because he just didn't have the horses, right? And Cran Taylor in his second week just wasn't all that good. And ah, you just kind of, you, you say, that sucks, but we move on, right? But it was so yeah. bad. And then the first half of Purdue was so bad. And then the Wisconsin game, maybe we do look back on that and say, well, you know. But I also don't want to lose sight on as good as Wisconsin may have been in that game. You know, we, we can say they did the same thing to Michigan, but for all we know, Michigan's just completely inept this year. So does that give us an excuse to also be inept after we had enough time to plan for that game and come into it sharper than we did? So it, that's just the the dilemma I think I'm going to be facing the rest of this year, Isaac, is I think after this win and the dominating fashion in which you got it, merely competing against Iowa Northwestern and then winning that ninth game because you'll be playing a scrub team from the Big Ten East, then we're three and six. I think you move on. I say I, you move on status quo. You, you just stay with Lovey. That concerns me because that wouldn't be a resounding enough um, in terms of evidence to say, yeah, we're, we're improving. We're getting better. It would just say, well, yeah, we saw flashes again, but it didn't amount to anything. And yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. It's, it's been a weird season, but I think in football, especially in football, especially the eye test is super important. And I don't think anybody that hardcore watches Illinois football like we do would come out and say COVID was what screwed us those few games. You know, it's right. it was a mix of things. The defense, again, didn't really have an excuse to be that poor, yet they were. And that's Lovey Smith's side of the ball. So it's it's hard to say. And the one thing Josh Whitman needs to take into consideration is recruiting. Like, what do we have for the future? And as of now, there's not much to be excited for in the future. So say we do go three and six and you're just on that line teetering. What do you got in the future in store? And if you think somebody else can come in and use this roster and use some young pieces that we have, it's time to move on. But I know that's a bigger decision than us just sitting here talking. Well, about and, it, Yeah, it is. And But at the same time, it does feel like, oh, OK, especially after today, I think unless they just completely suck, Levy's back. Now, and that's why it's just like make it easy for all of us because I got friends that, you know, in our, our little group thread, they're like, what the hell is going on with the game? And I'm like, yeah, crazy, right? And they've all said, yeah, yeah, we're doing other things just because I kind of checked out on the season. Um, maybe I'll tune in for the second half. And they're casual fans anyways. But I know they aren't alone in that because I think most people entered today with very little in the way of expectations for this game, we've gotten more than pleasantly surprised. I mean, this is shocking in the best way possible. Yeah. But you, you do wonder... Oh, sorry, that was my virus notification. Uh, you do <laughs> wonder, uh, what does this... Uh, what does this mean in terms of fan excitement, you know, and, and, and the things that do matter? They do matter where if this were any other program and this were, let's say, a coach's last year... In every coach's last year, they have a highlight that's unless they go 0 for 11, right? Um, they they have some win that was unexpected. They have a performance where everything clicked for one Saturday, but at the end of the day, the hole just wasn't good enough. And you mentioned recruiting. My thought is I, what I worry about is being just good enough to keep Levy around this year. Interception, Illinois, the goal line. <laughs> it's just one of those days. Five takeaways for this Illinois defense. Hanson Hanson gets that pick after. Uh, I forget which D back got their hand on it, but Illinois gets another takeaway. Incredible. Oh, was that uh, Sidney Brown? Yeah. Let's see here. So this is McCaffrey launches it. It was a 40 yard pass. 
And it would have been Sidney Brown getting a hand on it, Hanson right there to intercept it. That's incredible. So all this, right, this is an amazing game. And I'm going to, this is the kind of game, unlike last week, Isaac, where it, there will be a little bit of a shine afterwards. Like you will truly feel it the rest of the day and then wake up tomorrow like, whoa, what the hell was that? That was kind of cool. Maybe this thing. Yeah. Um, but you do, I, I do want Josh, as I would any athletic director or GM, to operate uh, under the uh, under the guise of, okay, we we have high expectations here. Are these good enough? And if the recruiting does not pick up, I worry about being just good enough this year to keep Lovey. And then next year, the recruiting still doesn't get better. You stink next year. And then now you are literally starting from square one again. Whereas if you go out and make a move now, like let's say this team finishes three and six and Josh still makes a move. You got some pieces to have a little bit of success next year. I don't know how much, but a little bit. And then that new coach could parlay it into some new recruiting momentum. I just don't see this staff getting that recruiting going unless barring some miraculous turnaround on the recruiting trail, they've seemed to kind of peter out apart from the transfer market. And the transfer market feels so fleeting too, because there's a lot less to choose from in the transfer market. If you don't land your top couple guys, you're kind of screwed essentially. Um, We did get lucky. I mean, look at where, where would this team be without transfers? So I think Lovey can keep going that route, but it's it's the pool just isn't as big to draw from, and the guys are risks. I mean, we have a guy. The first guy that just popped in my head was Desmond Dan, and he hasn't done anything this year. You know, I just would have rather you gone and gotten a guy in high school and developed him and seen what you could have gotten. Um, no, that's nothing against Desmond Dan, but I remember talking about him in the off season. The guy at a New Mexico State wide right, receiver, right. and it's like. I don't know. I just don't see the, I just would rather you get a high school player and develop them. But, um, and why can't it, why can't it be both? You know, why can't we have our cake and eat it too? You don't even need at at this point, especially I'm not expecting even, (laughs) I mean, I've, I've lowered those expectations with high school recruiting to the point where I don't even expect top 50 classes. All right. Give me something in the top 70. I don't know. And then you, you supplement that with the transfer market and then maybe you could be onto something because they are hitting on a decent percentage of these transfer guys. You know, here, here are the positives, right? You do feel like even after Brandon Peters is gone. And again, this is Brandon Peters best performances in Illini. Nebraska's defense may not be good, but he played phenomenal today in his first game back since Wisconsin. Uh, you have skill players, even after Josh Amater, Bebe is gone next year. I think you're still pretty good at wide receiver. You're good at tight end. You're going to be good at running back. Offensive line, you're going to have to fill that out, but you should have enough, right? Defensively, yeah. that's going to get a little bit trickier. Um, but I, I just think, gosh, why can't they? Why can't we feel as if there's more depth in the wings in year five? I mean, that is something that I think will come home to roost, if not next year, really in 2022, unless they get that figured out. The the other thing I say all this, Isaac, and I feel almost bad doing it because, I mean, this is we're watching a crazy good performance right now. This is what it should have been from the start. Well, and that's year. why that's why imagine if they had just beaten, just say Purdue, yeah. and we're going, we're, we'd be three and two, three and two with Ohio State coming to town. And if you had somehow beaten Purdue and Minnesota, then oh my God, just imagine being four and one. And I, this is maybe a silly hypothetical to play, but imagine being four and one with Ohio State coming to town. I wouldn't go so far as to say you would get game day, but I don't know. Maybe you get the prime It'd time game. Right, yeah, it would have been a pretty damn big. Oh, now Nebraska puts in Adrian Martinez, the guy that lit us up for two consecutive <laughs> years 
uh, quarterback sack. I don't know if they're going to get a horse collar, but Isaiah Gay got back there, and yeah, I think they are going to get the horse collar. But honestly, nice Carp, if you just take out the the blowout against Minnesota, because the Purdue game, I mean, we were it was close, and we had Deuce Span in there. So, oh, sorry, that wasn't we'll, on Isaiah Gay, but I, I messed that up. I think that was a flag on. Nebraska and they picked it up. So that was a clean oh, was a, a clean sack. Oh. Yeah, I thought I thought Horace Collar, but he really just got his jersey. Yeah. Okay. Um I, if you just take out that Minnesota game or at least win or almost play more competitive, I'm feeling a lot better because you played pretty well against Purdue at times and you had Deuce um not Deuce uh Karan Taylor in at quarterback, so you can only expect so much. Um, but this is something I would be interested to ask you about because since my time living in Champaign, I've heard some things about losing fan base too that Josh might have to might have to think about. You're gonna have those diehards no matter what. Yeah, they'll be but there. The uh, talked- let's say the fifteen to twenty thousand that they come to the lots at seven a.m. and they yeah. actually sit in the stadium for the entire game. They they will stay. They are there. We've we've talked the past few weeks about, about possibly losing like almost an entire generation of fans, and I've heard firsthand from a handful of people and families that they had tickets, season tickets until a few years ago. And then they just stopped buying them because I think they were just sick of what they'd seen in the 2010s. And then when they got, when lovey got here and wasn't doing anything, it's like, okay, why should we keep paying for these season tickets when we can borrow them off somebody or get them for 30 cents online? So I don't know if you, if there's a little bit more pressure on Josh Mm -hmm. to keep possibly a fan base, um, entertained you know that that's a lot more on the line but i don't know what you'd have to think about that yeah to give you a personal anecdote with that i mean what we did my dad and i was we settled i say settled for one horseshoe ticket just so they could keep the basketball points because in an iphone you gotta you gotta donate a certain amount in order to keep your basketball tickets and that's the hot commodity and it probably will be for the foreseeable future which is great it feels like yes we're back so with football, it was just, okay, well, what's the minimum we got to do to not lose some of those basketball privileges? And I, I know for a fact that, you know, we are not the only ones that consider that. So it, it is still a lot of apathy. It will take a lot for Lubby to get this fan base back on board because I can go back to the Ron Zook era where they were 6-0 and in Ron Zook's last year, and yet no one was bought in because of all the disappointments of the previous few years. They, yep. And I gotta give I gotta give those cynical fans credit. They saw it before I did. I was still in such fanboy happy mode that I thought, well, I know that you know it was kind of an easy schedule, but I bet they're still gonna finish nine and three. Well, guess what? The people that didn't sell out the stadium for Ohio State when we were six and zero, they were the smart ones. They they knew, you know. And I think that unfortunately, that is over the years, you can only have so many paper cuts before you're just like, you know what? I'm not I'm not messing with this. So I, I do think it is going to be tough for Josh unless again and this would just make it a whole lot easier right if Illinois just goes on some crazy rampage at the end of the year and just rattles off a bunch of wins now Nebraska did score here Isaac they did get a garbage time okay. touchdown I'm a second behind you uh 41-23 I don't know what they were waiting for <laughs> with Martinez I don't what why would you not bring yeah. in the guy that gained 700 yards last year and 600 the year before that not on his own but it'd be hard to be worse than what McCaffrey was today too McCaffrey can run, but any pass that was over 10 yards, he he did okay on some dink and dunk stuff, but I can't recall one deep pass that actually hit for him. Right. I, I, I 
he made our DBs look like what I thought they would look like all season. So maybe that's the confidence they needed. Um, and hey, no big just, deal. It's, it's just, just it's just Justin Fields. Team. Justin Fields next week. This was a nice prep yeah. for that. Good God, he's good. I oh need to check God. that score though. I don't by the way, think about that. I need to check that score yeah. and see what we, uh, we're essentially playing a minor league NFL team uh, next Saturday. So um, it should be should be a fun time. Um, I remember way back in the yeah before the season started, before COVID and everything, and we were talking about possibly being undefeated and then game day coming and taking on Ohio State for the night game and how awesome that would be. And that just feels like a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, Ohio State, they have the ball. It is second and seven uh, at their own 35 with 310 to go. Indiana has all three timeouts. It's still a one-score game. Indiana had punted wow. it a few plays ago. They were way back in their own territory. They, they had to punt on a fourth down, but if they can get a stop here, they will have a shot. I'm definitely going to hit on that uh, Indiana plus 21. That's going to hit. But <laughs> I think that just shows, I mean, Indiana is legit to go on the road. And and the difference between, I was thinking back to Illinois in 07 when we went on the road and beat Ohio State. Two-point conversion fails for Nebraska, so it's still a three-score game with 2-12 to go. Uh, that that The reason that was a perfect storm for that Illinois team at Ohio State that year Ohio State didn't expect Illinois was going to come in and win. Uh, we were ranked maybe yeah. 23rd, if ranked at all. And um, this was different, though. This was a top 10 Indiana team. If anything, Ohio State would have come into this game thinking, okay, listen, we got to remind them of their place. And instead, Indiana not only hangs in there, but makes it a game well into the fourth quarter. I, I think that regardless of what happens in the outcome of this game, Indiana is probably on track. I need to check their schedule, but th- maybe this is their one loss because they have Maryland at home next. I guess they have at Wisconsin. So, of course, okay. that's that's going to be a hell of a game. And then Purdue at home. So you're talking worst case, they're going to be 7-2. and two. That's incredible. Yeah, and a nine-game schedule. We'll have to see about next week because Maryland has had a really bad COVID outbreak. But um, the fact that IU football has way more hype than IU basketball, which – their basketball team's going to be solid this year too, but it's just 2020, man. That's the only way I can explain it. Um, Props to them. They, they might be, might be sticking here around for a while, but anybody that was doubting them going into this week uh, has got to, got to reconsider because no, not that many people go into, go into Ohio state and, and come within one score. All right, Josh Matterbebe scoops up the onside kick with 2.11 to go. I think uh, we can start winding things down here, Isaac, and just talk about this performance. Here's the stats. Brandon Peters, 18 of 25 for 205 yards, one TD, no interceptions. Chase Brown, 296 rushes for 110 yards. He had the big chunk rush uh, that was, what, about 45 yards? So I know that his average, if you take that out, wasn't so great. But the guy's... He's a damn good running back. Two touchdowns for him today. Josh with a much more signature Josh Amater Bay Bay game. Four receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. So your your horse is delivered. Your defense was pretty good. Well, I say pretty yeah. good. Five takeaways. <laughs> I, and I know Nebraska contributed to that, but eventually, just like last year in that four-game win streak, you know, Illinois had a hand in that. They, they contributed yeah. to a lot of these takeaways, and... I don't know, Isaac. This is one of the most shocking wins I've seen as an Illini fan because I I thought this was a terrible matchup. I thought Nebraska, they're going to get theirs, and I just didn't think first week back for Brandon Peters the offense was going to be this efficient, and here we are. 
Forty-one twenty-three is probably going to be the final. It almost feels exactly like Minnesota a couple of years ago when, you know, we weren't too, feeling too hot about ourselves, and I thought Minnesota was going to come in and tear us up, mm-hmm. and we just ran all over PJ Fleck in uh, Minnesota at home, and then you start to be like, all right, you know, there, I see some pieces here, and then I think you ended up four and eight. Or you were four and eight. Like it was the AJ Bush yeah. year, and I forget what the game yeah. was after Minnesota. It actually the game after Minnesota may have been at Nebraska, where you you gained plenty of yards and you scored, but there were you a couple two punts. That I was think. it. That was it. Nebraska yeah. you couldn't stop them. Um, yeah. Now going forward, so let's talk about expectations going forward. You're two and three. I think we know what's going to happen next week, and the beauty of that is that you can watch it, and if anything good happens, yeah. yeah. You know, we'll be over the moon. And and I was joking on the last solo pod that, yeah, I guess we'll be back for next Saturday, Ohio State. This was assuming we get our doors blown up by Nebraska and right. that Ohio State, who would care? Well, at least there's intrigue. There's intrigue. So let's skip the Ohio State game in terms of predicting win-loss. I mean, just beat beat Iowa Northwestern. I, I, at this point, if you're this good on a, on a football field against a Nebraska team that, while flawed, has some talent, if you could dominate like this, then go and win those last two games. Be four and four before that ninth game and play. I don't know. Um, I guess Michigan. I'm guessing Michigan will get another one or two. And then imagine, yeah. imagine a situation where you can do that and finish five and four. And it, like, I want something more definitive than three and six. I want something more definitive than even four and five. I want to feel like okay, they turned the corner, or I want to feel like you know what, that two game win streak that was it, and now we're going to move on. I don't want the in betweens, if that makes sense. Yeah, how nice would that be to beat Harbaugh game nine and send send them into oblivion um, just for the future, put them in question. But yeah, for the rest of the season, I I want to see you beat. I think for Lovey to stay, you need to definitely beat Iowa or Northwestern, I hopefully one both, because to. those those are the teams that. Lovey was brought in to beat and compete with. I don't think when Josh Whitman hired Lovey, he was expecting you to beat Wisconsin every year, beat Ohio State, Michigan every year. He was, you as Illini fans, we were just expecting, you know, seven wins, bowl game, and compete and maybe be atop that middle of the pack if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm, so, yeah. I, I, Iowa's been a team that you just you haven't been able to handle uh, the past few years, and Northwestern has had your number for some reason. Um, for pretty much all the Fitzgerald era. So those are the two games that I think are going to say a lot. Wisconsin, clearly game one, there's, we're still not on their level. Um, they're still the best team in the Big Ten West. And then, again, the, the few weeks with COVID, it's frustrating, but you got to take it with a grain of salt. So if you're healthy, if Iowa's healthy, if Northwestern's healthy, those – those are big games that can talk about the future of Lovey Smith. Yeah, I can't. I thought this was going to be realistically it. You know, I thought that yeah. in a way that this was the best chance for them to get a win. And if you look at the remaining schedule, it easily was the best chance for this team to get another win. And it gets much harder from here. But when you win that authoritatively, it's like, okay, well, I guess Iowa Northwestern, we, we, we got a shot. I mean, listen, at the very least, that Iowa game, even if they get their butts kicked by Ohio State next week, that Iowa game, I'm going to be thinking, well, you know, God, if you play like he did against Nebraska, why not? Uh, so we have that at least. We have intrigue. And in this year, I said at the very outset, just give me interesting, give me entertaining, even if it 
took a while to get there. I'll take it. Um, before we go, Isaac, I'm going to hit the sponsors real quick. I'm going to then inform people of our schedule for next week. A reminder, DP Doe, as you're just chilling at home on this cloudy weekend, why not try Thanksgiving Calzone? It is delicious. I haven't I haven't got one, so I can't speak from experience. All I know is that on Facebook posts and local places like Smile Politely, they actually had an article written specifically about the Thanksgiving Calzone. It is taking Champagne Urbana by storm. They'll deliver it to your doorstep. Use coupon code Mike. I think that'll make it six dollars because this is a premium calzone uh, with a side of cranberry sauce for dipping. DPDO.com. Also, Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code two hundred level for ten percent off your order. And State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at Brian is my guy. Dot com for all your insurance needs. So next week, Isaac, we have, um, I'll probably do a solo pod Monday. We have Wednesday, a second half post game pod for the season opener for Illinois basketball. What is that? North Carolina oh, A&T, right? N-C-A-N-T. I can't wait either. It's, have you, has it sunk in for you yet? I, it has no, not hit me. It's, it's been weird. And I've looked back in, um, some of my, Facebook memories and other things. And it's weird to think that the basketball season should be going on right now. Um, so the fact that we're starting late November is still kind of weird, but I've, I've just been thinking about this team for so long as many Illinois fans have. So the fact that it's what, four days away um, is just amazing. And we're the, the nice part to carp is that most of the time you got to wait to the big 10 schedule, you know, to see how legit you are. But we get to find out Early. December second. Yeah, December second, we we get to take on Baylor, and that's going to be fun. And then Duke, and then hopefully beat up Mizzou. So it's going to be an exciting early season. And I just hope, I hope we get a get up big on these MTE teams. Then we get to see, you know, Curbelo play a ton. We get to see maybe Coleman Hawkins. I think we'll some see of the a lot younger of guys. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of Hawkins um, next week. Yeah, so it, it's it's exciting. The things are just better when Illinois basketball is going on and it Illinois is. basketball is playing well. So um, if there's one thing that can save 2020, it's finishing the year strong with some with some Io and Kofi. Absolutely. So we got next Wednesday. I think that's a one o'clock tip. So around two o'clock, we'll start recording. Uh, we have a Thursday. There is a game. It was not going to happen after Wright State bowed out, but Illinois quickly got Chicago State. So on Thanksgiving Day, 11 a.m., get a start off your Thanksgiving holiday with Illinois and Chicago State. Revenge. Well, I know we beat them in 2015 when Jalen Coleman lands hit the buzzer beater against Chicago State in Springfield. I don't know if you remember that game or not. So we'll. uh, I think this result will be a little bit more emphatic of a victory. And then on Friday, we'll be back with another one uh, for the Ohio game. That is, I believe, a noon tip. So these are all matinees. We'll do Wednesday and Friday. And then next Saturday, we have the Illinois-Ohio State football game, which, yeah, we'll be here for that. By the way, Indiana right now, Isaac, there's uh, 15 seconds to go. They got to do some Hail Mary stuff here soon. And I just think the clock's unfortunately going to run out on them. But a valiant effort for indiana uh so we're busy we're busy coming up and it's it's a nice place to be illinois with well let's call it what it is a historic victory against nebraska today 41 to 23 yeah 41 23 was the final great on offense uh opportunistic on defense and at the very least sets up an iowa northwestern game where you can enter it with a little bit of intrigue and you know what like you mentioned 2020 isaac i'll take it this year i'll take it Oh, yeah. And I just had this random thought pop into my head. What's the most 
interesting, like weird team that Illinois basketball has lost to because for some reason Winthrop came into my mind from a few years ago. I was I there for was, that. That was bad. That yeah. Was bad. And you had that you were up 10 with like two minutes left or something, and they came back and won it in overtime. Um, so what's the most random weird early season Illinois basketball I, loss? You I got think one. Of? I got one. This would have been I think oh seven. And this was a week or two before the Rose Bowl because that 07, 08 Illinois basketball team, I think they were 13 and 19 or something. Um, yeah. Not, not good. Not good. They lost to Miami of Ohio at home in December. Huh. And my dad and I were just thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Because this is two years after, or I guess technically three after the Final Four yeah. when that season would have begun. So it just seemed like this exponential drop, and it, it, it was worrisome. And, of course, Weber never fully recovered. Um, and then actually two weeks later, I was in Pasadena, or we were staying in Long Beach for that Rose Bowl weekend, and they lost at home. And on my old cell phone where we used T9-word texting, I got a text from a friend <laughs> that said, we just lost to Tennessee State. Didn't have yeah. a didn't have a score app or anything. So it was just through text that I found out about that score, and I thought, oh, thank God we got Ron Zook. Thank God for that. We're we're gonna be okay. We just decided to become a football school. That didn't oh, that didn't geez. hold unfortunately. That was did other than the Winthrop game. Is that the one that stands out to you? Florida. I was how about Florida A and M? That same yeah, year. Yeah, this is this wasn't regular season, but uh, in was that Brad Underwood's first year when. You lost to Eastern Illinois in a scrimmage. Yes, um, and that that should have given us a little clue. I, I remember being so excited yeah. for that first Brad Underwood team, and man, the hmm. Eastern the Eastern scrimmage was not on TV. I think it was on radio. Yep. We lost by like twenty something. Yeah, it, was not, it was not close. Okay, well, real quick here, Indiana, they have to throw. I don't know what kind of arm strength Michael Penix has. You got to be really careful saying his last name. I, I don't know what kind of arm strength he has, if he can get it 60 yards in the air, or if they try some crazy hook and ladder stuff. But five seconds to go for Indiana. They're going the hook and ladder. Uh, so, yeah, Isaac, we'll, we'll wrap up here after this play here for Indiana. So uh, appreciate your time. And we'll, we got a busy week next week, chock full of Illini basketball goodness. I can't wait. And that's, that's oh, it's going to be awesome. That's a wrap, guys. 41 to 23. It's, it's even just saying it. Bizarre. Okay, this is this hook and ladder might be kind of funny. Okay, they're going across the field, and uh, I just Ohio State's so fast. Well, what can you do? You can't really do anything. <laughs> okay, so Ohio State will hold on. They beat Indiana by seven, but hell of a game. And uh, we will see this Ohio State team. Maybe Isaac, they they expended all their energy and it's juice a trap in this game. game. It's a trap. It's a hangover game. All those great narratives <laughs> and Illinois. Hey, what the hell? We'll, we'll be here Saturday regardless of outcome. But Isaac, have a great uh, rest of your weekend and and soak this in. Hey, you too, Carpe. And there's no chance the Bears can lose this weekend. Oh, you know, I'm I'm. It's a mercifully we do not have to watch that team this week. And when we do, it's of course going to be prime time Sunday night against the Packers, which I think I might watch a movie. I think I might. Wow. I I did not watch, by the way, much of that Minnesota game. I didn't bother. It was, you didn't miss much. I mean, it was like watching Illinois' offense a few years ago um, with those quarterbacks we were rattling off. That was pretty, that was about as successful as Nagy was calling the other night. Yeah, so you're right. If this is a football weekend where if we so choose, we don't need to watch another game and we'll be able to just soak this victory in and we have a whole week to do that as Illinois basketball starts up. So that's, that's a nice place to be. I'll take it, Isaac. So we'll see you on uh, Wednesday afternoon. 
Hey, looking forward to it. See you then. All right, awesome. That's Isaac Ambrose, who was here with us for the entire pod. We had Harry Black on earlier. Trevor had something that came up for him today. But yeah, that's unexpected. 41 to 23. I I fell in the trap again. Same thing happened back in 2014 when Brightweiser and I were in the studio on a cloudy, windy Saturday morning writing the obituary for the Tim Beckman era. Oh, well, then they beat Penn State and Northwestern, made a bowl game. Then this would have been the same thing last year after the Minnesota game. Came on here uh, when the Lovey breaks, thinking, well, this is it, right? It probably is not over for Lovey. If they lose out, I guess it could be. But when you win like that, you're thinking, well, Iowa, Northwestern, you're going to get one of them, right? If you play like you did today, that will get you to three. And then there is that crossover game in week nine, which could potentially get you to four and five. I guess if you beat Iowa, Northwestern, you're talking maybe five and four. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, This could be an aberration. I just want resolution. I'm worried that we may not get that. But you know what I'm going to do today and what I'm going to do the rest of this week, Uh, especially with basketball starting. We are going to suspend any fire lovey talk for a week. We're just going to do that, right? It's Thanksgiving. We got a lot to be thankful for, the return of basketball. And we're just going to ride this out in what was an emphatic win. That was very impressive. There's no other way to slice it. Brandon Peters was great. I was wrong about that. Um, your skill players, the studs, Josh Matterbebe, Chase Brown, they were great. Your defense, five takeaways, listen, that's pretty damn good. I don't care who the quarterback is on the other side. So if that's the model going forward, you got a shot. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. Like we said, no Bears football, so that's actually a good thing. This will be my um, lingering memory of this football weekend, and that's a pretty good one, to get the first win at Nebraska since 1924 and do so in that fashion. I like it. Have a great rest of your Saturday or whenever you're listening to us. We will be back. I think a solo pod. I'll get one real quick on Monday, maybe, or we might wait until Wednesday. We've done a lot of pods recently, and we got a lot coming next week with Wednesday post-game basketball, Friday post-game basketball, and Saturday post-game football. So if we don't see you before Wednesday, we'll see you when Illinois basketball kicks off their season. Uh, In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, that was pretty fun. I enjoyed that. It is the 200 level.